0: fm to get started tonight nothing is unknowable our investigation sends us all the way to america's heartland kansas so we go around the kitchen so cock doodle doo it's episode five of the unbelievable after show and it starts right now you're tuned in to after buzz tv the espn of tv talk. now let the buzz begin how is everyone doing? My name is Lowell Voice and you are tuned into the episode 5 after show for the Netflix original, unbelievable, sprawling crime epic that is Crossing state lines. We have a lot to talk about today, but before we do, I want to introduce my co host for this afternoon. Give it up for the man himself, Jack Farmer. How are you doing, Jack?
1: I am doing good. Did you say cockadoodle do? Cockadoodle do. Was it just me or was that song slapping? It was. <laughs> it actually was. I was like, okay,
0: yeah. Actually, I, thought
1: it, I thought it was silly at first, but by the time it was over, I was kind of cockadoodle. Yeah, well, <laughs> I saved
0: it to my playlist. Uh, yeah, we're, we're episode five. We're, we're over the, the middle point of this season. I mean, just the way things are shaping out now. Just let me know what you think about today's episode. In relation to other episodes
1: this season. This one felt like the cops finally got some wins. They finally got some W's on this one. They they got the shoe. They got the glove. They've they've kind of narrowed things down further, seen things happening in other states. We're starting to finally put the pieces together. Yeah. And so it felt like a really good episode in that regard.
0: It did have a very feel-good moment about it. with the, Even the, the auxiliary members of the team, Elias and Mia, each contributing to the, the, main, the main mystery here. But mm-hmm. the episode really starts off going back almost with both Duval and Rasmussen looking up at the Lily uh, case uh, and how she was interacting with Detective Harkness, which was the assigned detective there. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to an gritty of all of that, but I was want to know your just impressions of the interplay between Lily and Harkness and the two detectives. Just your know, overall thoughts.
1: My my first thought with Lily was, are we sure she lives in Colorado and not Los Angeles? She was a very uh, <laughs> L.A. person. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting that they both went their own ways. It felt a little bit like the team that had really started gelling together started to fall apart a little bit. Not mm-hmm. a lot, but it was interesting how they both did their own thing. And then when they came back together, Duval was saying... Why didn't you tell me you had a sketch? Now, the sketch wasn't anything special, but it was interesting that they were doing things that the other one didn't know about again.
0: True. And it goes back to the theme we were saying how they're not adversarial, but they're kind of complimentary in that sort of kind of way, even though there was like a little bit of an inkling of a giant fight that was quickly diffused, which I thought was pretty awesome. Uh, right. I just, I want to go more into to Harkness, right? So we had a bit of a characterization from Lily's mom in the last episode saying, oh, that guy was worthless. He's a, you know, he's a POS and mm-hmm. Lily didn't like him that much. Much either. But it seems very, in
1: this situation, he knew, Harkness knew he made mistakes. Almost, he's like almost sympathetic. Is that too bold to say? I think to a degree, yes, this was interesting because when I first heard that Harkness didn't do a good job, I was kind of rolling my eyes thinking, great, another cop that let someone get away because they didn't believe the person who and what they were saying. But I did like how they showed Lily and what she was saying in her testimony. And as a viewer, again, if you were to take yourself away from the knowledge we know that Harkness didn't have, you would say, Lily does seem kind of crazy. Okay. And so I did like that they showed why she would be someone you don't believe which again is the whole point of the show uh but also i did like that harkness wasn't just hard-headed about it he did say yeah maybe i shouldn't have made that asked that question maybe i shouldn't have done with the kava kava with the kava kava yeah Yeah. uh which is is a i believe is a fair mistake to make i don't know anything about kava kava i I don't either i learned about that today in this show that was the show taught me about it so if I had just heard of that, that'd be the first question I have, which I think the show does a good job of making you second-guess things that you know are true, but also making you second-guess it with, like, well, I, I guess I get where he's coming from.
0: Yeah, to me, it was it was very interesting. Uh, we talked about this in other episodes, how this show is... Aces about subverting tropes and, and stereotypes or things we're used to in other um, forms of uh, fictional media. So you, again, we had I had the preconceived notion that you know Hartnolls was this guy who was just too harried or not even in the zone. But it, and then you talk about his background and his reasons for doing things. Yeah, he made some some mistakes, some even critical ones. Um, but at the same time, it's like well, at least he's had a certain kind of wiggle room for the audience. Not to say he was right mm. in how he acted, but then some members of our audience can say I see why he did what he did which makes things complicated, but in a good way. This shows that not everything's cut and dry.
1: Right. What this show does that we, I don't think we've talked about before, at least from, from what I've seen, is it's not just an interesting story and it's not just showing us police work, but in a lot of ways it's educational. This show has really presented a lot of things and a lot of viewpoints about the, this terrible type of situation that I don't think a lot of us really think about. Going back to the last episode when uh, Rasmussen was saying the signs that say, be on the lookout, beware of a rapist out there don't work because the only people that read them are the people who are already worried and the oh, people yes. who don't worry are the ones that go oh that's terrible I think that was the show saying you need to pay attention to these things Right. Uh, I think guys like Harkness it's the show telling us just because someone has some weird ways of thinking doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to them in these things. And there's a lot of things that I think this show is really, in a way, even in this episode with Taggart, and not to jump ahead, but with the whole sexism thing and and all this stuff the show does a really good job of shining a light on these things but without being too on the nose and obvious about here's a message we're trying to send.
0: The point is actually moot but do you think it was a mistake for Harkness to tell Lily hey listen since your guy wore a mask we're not going to do the police sketch I felt that was kind of a glaring omission there that at least least for the sake of like bedside manner that would have been something I would have done even if I wasn't sure if someone was guilty or not
1: I think it's something that she wanted to do on. I mean, it's hard to say. I don't know how valuable the police sketches are to begin with, but it doesn't seem like it would hurt. But, of course, I'm not looking at budgets and having to ask a guy to come out to draw a face of a mask. Yeah. Uh, But I I agree. I think just if someone's gone through a lot and, and you think it might help, you never know. I guess the police are always saying you never know what might come out from recounting something or retelling something or redoing something. So just using that logic, yeah, I think it was a mistake. They should should have had her do it because she may have mentioned something like something on the mask or something about the mask or the eyes or who knows?
0: It yeah, definitely seen that Lily was on edge. Uh, she actually mentioned a time was now, you know, it a patrol incident where she thought someone was outside and she uh, had a cop come to her door and it turns out that the cop was holding uh, this flashlight, like how her attacker held a knife, which she believed, that's the reason why she believes a cop did it for her. Um, even though Harkness said, hey, look, there's no way because this person was, you know, on vacation the first time you were attacked. Just thoughts about that, of how she, Lily, came to a conclusion that perhaps this may be a, a cop doing it, but in her own certain kind of character based way
1: yeah I thought it was it was fun how they did keep her consistent with her character and have her actually be correct about something even though she was correct about it in a weird her, her kind of way Uh, I also love how the show gave us just another little taste of could this be the person? Nope. No, it's not. Because that's what the police are going through this whole time. And so you as a viewer get to have that, oh, that's the guy. Oh, no, it's not the guy. Yeah. Oh, that's the guy. No, that's not the guy. And that's exactly what Duvall and Rasmussen are going through right now. And so that's a really cool thing that the the show, the director, the, st- the writers, and everyone have really been able to do for us as viewers.
0: I'm not asking you to do a hard prediction now, but in your list of potential suspects as a viewer, has, has it changed any? Do you think there's less people on your list of suspects? Or there are there more people
1: here in play? I don't think there's anyone that I really think is a suspect yet. I don't know if I think we've seen the actual uh, rapist yet. I think he's still hiding. I'd be shocked if it was one of the people who we've seen so far because we don't have a whole lot of characters that fit the description that we've seen I think the only one that stands out to me as a character that could fit that description would be Duval's husband but even then Max the Knife he doesn't have the same color hair Absolutely. So he, he wouldn't even actually technically fit that description.
0: So let's talk about that, that sketch scene for a second, because it was kind of played up for laughs, or laughs, depending on where you look at this kind of program, mm-hmm. um, which said that, hey, look, a guy in a mask, there's no way to return that. But before that, there was a little bit of a character play between Duval and Rasmussen about where they fit in each other's lives and each other's investigation. Uh, do you feel for Duval? Do you think she's saying, like, is she becoming a bit irrational, or is that the kind of a thing where, no, no, we are partners, you have to give me the trust that you don't give me, uh, going on your own.
1: It actually makes a lot of sense that she's the one trying to keep the team together because when you look at the way the, the two police officers or the two detectives were set up before they met... Uh, Duvall had a team. She had a little task force. She was in the smaller station, but she did have her little crew of people where every time we've seen Grace, she's basically been on her own, Mm -hmm. except with her uh, forensic sidekick over there, and and the the intern who's new. Rosemary and Elias. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Besides them, but even then, they're not ever it seems like they're just sort of taking things from her working on it and giving it back where Duval always had a team and so she definitely has the more she also has the family, like the kids and so I think she just has the more we are a team we're into this together where Grace is is for lack of a better term, the loose cannon, the one that wants to be off on her own solving cases in the field doing things. Yep. And I think the show does a good job of showing how those personalities clash.
0: Right. Uh, we're jumping ahead of, of a little bit here, but there was that moment later on where it was like, look, we are on the same side, Duval was saying. Uh, uh, and, and basically, Grace had to come around. So I know last episode you said you're Team Duvall. Is that still the case?
1: Yeah, I think she's this, still the MVP of this team, of this show. She's the one that still seems to be bringing the most information to the table and seems to be cracking most of the the code so far. Yeah. And also, again, I think if you took her out of the equation, I think you'd end up with a very similar situation as all the other rape cases where you'd have Grace eventually just go off on her own, much like all the other detectives have over the past, and it would fall apart. With Duvall, she's the one tying everything together
0: that's a good point Uh, before we move on I'll make like a quick announcement this here is Afterbus TV, the ESPN of TV talk, and from humble beginnings, we grew to be one of the largest digital powerhouses in the world, and we did it with your help. So if you're watching the show right now on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share the show with all your friends on cross-social media platforms, because we love when you do that. And if you're like me, like, listen to the podcast the day after, you know, just get in my car, drive around a little bit, we're actually available on iTunes, too. Uh, leave a comment there, give us a five-star rating. Make sure you share with us how you feel. That's how we can improve as a brand i want to thank you for making us the espm tv talk uh moving on we got some a little bit of a scene on a sunday of all days uh with with Mm -hmm. both halves of our detective team with duval at church and rasmussen taking her her walk uh granted it ended in very very different ways but let's Mm -hmm. talk about rasmussen's first Uh, she's basically like you said very very a solo person uh wasn't with family she was jogging on her own Mm -hmm. with her animals just walk me through her psyche you think she's going through her mind there
1: yeah, she seems to be... She does, she, As she said before, she doesn't like to celebrate any of the little vi- victories. Mm-hmm. So to her, they have had no real reason to celebrate. It's been loss after loss after loss. And you could see that also in her jog, when she's jogging and she finds the dead deer. And it's just, it's a very dark world she is in, even yeah. with her husband who's not cooperating and we might touch on that in a little bit. But yeah, she's definitely... Yeah, she's on her own. She's forcing herself to sort of be a solo person in this, and she's she's definitely in a darker place. Let's
0: stack on this now, because I really feel that the Rasmussen's are, are are definitely of a unique dynamic, right? They're husband mm-hmm. and wife. They're not they're not mad. They're not, like, fighting or anything, but it always seems a bit of air of distance there, and it, even it came to a bit of a head uh, later on in this episode with Steve saying, hey, look, uh, you know, you're not emotionally present, but you're asking me for something that's beyond our relationship and our boundaries. I thought it was kind of interesting when she came back from her run early in the episode, so and it was like how was it babe and she was like grim and that was all they got just touch upon right. their relationship so far just as a casual viewer
1: it, yeah it- From this perspective, it doesn't seem like it's going great. Uh, Of course, we're seeing a small window of it. I thought she was being very unfair to her husband. I get where she's coming from. I think if you have someone who has access to something that can help you in your job Mm -hmm. that easily, it's easy to say, hey, come on, cut me some slack, help me out. But if you're an attorney general, you have very strict rules you have to follow. And there can be very, very big consequences for not following those rules. And so. I think, to a degree, she needs to understand that she needs to be able to provide something more than just, can you help me out Right, with a- this.
0: Absolutely. And I think that there is a bit of a play there with, with family and the role of... Um, but back to that Sunday scene, you had Duval in church. Uh, worshiping. Uh, mm-hmm. It looked like she was there on her own and she noticed Amber from a from a previous from the actual case of the previous episode uh worshiping as well, looking like Amber's looking for some kind of regain of control after her attack. She's obviously making decisions that she may find questionable. No judgments here. We're just watching the show. Right. Uh how do you think Duvall is going through that, knowing that one of her one of her cases are are on a path that may be seen a little less than ideal.
1: Amber has been the most interesting character in in a lot of ways and how when when they when the incident first happened when the rape first happened she was so calm and so in control it almost felt like it didn't really bother her like it was she treated it as if yeah the upstairs neighbor had a leak and it dripped through and I had to clean up all night what a what a pain Mm -hmm. Uh, but as time has gone on she has started to fall apart and crack so much more and going back to the fact that I think this show is very educational it's kind of educating us too that just because someone had a trauma and just because they're not showing it doesn't mean there's not things going on underneath the surface. Absolutely. And we're starting to see that with her now trying to find religion to deal with things, trying to, obviously, meeting other guys, uh, getting a gun, even though she said she was clearly against guns. Uh, She's, definitely having trouble processing all these things and she's defensive. She's got a wall up obviously because she doesn't want any other help beyond what she's finding on her own as far as the uh, therapy groups or anything like that. So it's been a really, it's sad because you feel bad for all these women but she was someone when it first happened there's that part of you that's like well at least she's able to handle it okay but you're realizing right. no that's not the case.
0: Yeah it's definitely something that's that's been hard for me to watch uh, not to say that that I, I had that experience personally but I've known people who have similar experiences where they try to find that that the are of control in their lives and I thought it was very on point to, to try to find external solutions to problems but when the suggestion of hey let's go to a group therapy it was all, instantly shut down it was like look I, I got this on my own I don't know what I'm doing but I'm going to figure it out on my own and there's that dynamic there where it's like you have to let someone to give their space during a traumatic experience but you know these decisions can be potentially destructive not to say that these are now by is isn't destructive inherently, but these mm-hmm. can be destructive in the line. So, yeah, that was, that was kind of the one, one scene I was like, oh, man, ever, no. no, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I was really sad for her because she does such a good job, the, the actress does such a good job of playing an endearing character and someone that you grow to like and want to be doing okay. Yeah. So when you see that she's not, it makes you sad.
0: Yeah, definitely developments are happening on bounds in this case. Uh, the team uh, gives the reports to Taggart, which seems to be uh, like the Greek chorus here almost. Uh, <laughs> I understand this scene was tense for a lot of different reasons. Um, just, I, I, how do you feel about Taggart now? Now you've, you've introduced him before, now he's actually in his role on this team. Are you a fan of the feds? Are you not like the guy?
1: Or. I think he's someone we can't really be sure of just yet. I think he's someone that has a lot of power and could help them a lot. But as mentioned, I think he's going to have an agenda of his own. And I think he's someone that, unless it helps him, he's not going to do certain things. I think he does not want to get caught up in any type of internal affairs investigation. I think he doesn't want to do things that could put him at risk in any way. and so Or one of his people at risk in any way. And that's why I think he was pushing back so much on the idea of it being someone in the police department. He did raise some good points though about the CSI and all this information being things that people could find. I like that they fronted that people are getting better at this because of CSI.
0: Right. What the CSI effect is something real. I think we talked about that about two episodes ago about, you know, you watch these shows where forensics is up front and center, and then you think, you know, we have these expectations about timing is or what we can do technology wise and even keeping uh, clean crime scenes. Uh, Rasmussen walks out. Uh, for, for a moment right after me says said she has gifts and she has like the different evidence pieces um, just an idea Did, for me it didn't ring true to me I felt like that that would be a moment Grace would say oh okay we're getting there not to say she's like yeah we have evidence but definitely let's double down and, and get the guy but she walked away there it didn't mm-hmm. ring true for me I want to see how you felt personally about this
1: I think her leaving had more to do with Taggart than the evidence Okay, I think it was I think what would happened there is it was, an, it was another woman who found the evidence, another woman who pushed this forward okay. and it was a man every step of the way that was causing problems or not causing problems, but not being able to provide more information or saying, wait, maybe this isn't the thing. And so I think after hearing all those things from Taggart saying, Hey, it might not be a police officer. It might not be one of our guys. And then another female detective coming in and saying, Hey, I found more information. Let's go get the guy. Yeah her going, great, another... It was a woman, again, we couldn't get one of the males to help find this person.
0: Interesting perspective. Yeah, I she said later on, where is the outrage? And I wrote that down in my notes, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Tiger is kind of stoic, which is a good uh, thing to have, but definitely we you have some cases you want a little bit of fire there, and it was kind of uh, numbing, I guess, to see.
1: Right, yeah. well, and I as a viewer you get it because i feel like i feel the same way he should be super angry that this is happening i would think if i found out that someone here at after buzz was committing crimes i'd be angry i right, wouldn't want, absolutely. i wouldn't want to defend them i would say let's go find them who, who is it but again if you are someone like tagger if you're in law enforcement as crazy as it sounds i'm sure you i mean well you are dealing with these terrible people all the time and i think it's easy for those people to become a little calloused to it yeah and so when you find out that okay there is someone out there committing crimes it's like yeah i deal with new person committing a crime literally every single day yeah and so i think that's where he's coming from uh of course where grace has mentioned it she made a good point i think if it was Men being raped, he might not feel the same way. I think there's probably a good point to that. True,
0: true, and uh, I guess it's still early to tell whether or not I am pro or anti Tiger. But it definitely, these kind of character moments were, were great for me to help suss it out myself as a viewer. But the investigation, which is interesting to me, uh, mm-hmm. led quote unquote the team because we all did not hit touch your nose.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: But this follows going to Kansas. Uh, I'm not sure what was I expecting. I know she's still out there. Uh, maybe I was expecting a smoking gun, but uh, it was definitely one, cool to see a change of scenery that it wasn't just a regional local thing but two, at the same time, the flip side that, hey, look, there are some complications even more than we even thought about this case.
1: Yeah, what made me, what really kind of blew me away with that is this whole show we've been thinking, this guy's been doing this since 2008 to 2011. This is, a, how many people has there been? But this shows us it's been since 2000. Yeah, So it's been at least 11 years And it makes you think if from Kansas all the way to Washington, all the way to Colorado, it makes you realize just how big this could be. Right. And so that was the first thing that I took away with is man, how long has this guy been doing this? How big is this case? How many people have been affected? And it's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that the moment I would
0: say my heart sank is when she went to to the evidence room and found the book. Uh, that was found in the dark web. Uh, I've heard other stories about that for other crimes. Like there's there's other re- like other textbooks on the way of other crimes. But I, I I guess I'm faulting myself for not assuming this. But there is yeah. a book that you can actually read uh, to learn more about how to have clean crime scenes. My heart sank because that opens up a whole other uh, array. Is it just one person? Are there copycats? Is it an organization? You know, what could that be?
1: Um. Yeah, The it's it was really, really sad to hear that to, and to see that. And it, yeah, I, I agree. Now, to hear that, wow, maybe there's just a lot of people who have this information. Not only does that mean maybe all the work you've done isn't any good, mm-hmm. but maybe there are hundreds and thousands of people who can get away with it anytime they want because they know how to do it. So that was a really sad thing to see. It's a sad thing to know that someone will write a book on that. It seems like that, I mean, I guess freedom of press you're allowed to write whatever you want but that seems like something that should probably get police's attention when they see someone publish a book like that but you know again freedom of press you can do what you want that's why we're on this (laughs) show (laughs) we can say what we want
0: absolutely fair and and Duval takes to a local diner to read the book where one of the more peculiar scenes here I want you to walk me through this about the 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 strange gentleman on the other side just eyeing Duval you think that it was kind of like a, a fun little character beat for her or do you think there was something more there
1: I, I think there might be something more there. It was very interesting as she sat there, she was enjoying her meal, reading the book, and this dude just keeps staring at her. Like and not trying to be discreet about it, just staring a hole right through her. Right. Then the uh, all the girls come in, he kind of checks them out. They leave and he goes right back to looking at her until she stands up and he sees her bag yeah. and then he suddenly He's looks like, away.
0: Oh good.
1: I don't know where this is going. I don't know if that's just to imply that hey, if you're a woman and you're alone, creeps look look at you. And that, again, maybe that's an educational thing for us men who don't have to deal with that all the time. Sure. Learn. But yeah, if you're a woman and you're alone, you get stared at. And yeah. maybe that was just her going, wow, I guess it, it can happen to anybody.
0: Yeah. Before we go back in time to the other case, uh, James Massey is now a new person of interest. Uh, that was the subject of the argument that the Rasmussen's had about, about Steve getting information about them. With Grace going forward to have a false softball team to get the information for James. Do you think. Well, that's a prediction. Let me go back. Uh, uh, about James Massey, is there a possibility that he may be the guy?
1: You know, I've been feeling that way about a lot of their suspects so far. Um, so, I mean, they're sure they're, it, it, he could be the guy. It sounds like he fits a lot of the profile, but he. But we've been fooled before. It seems like he'd be very easy to figure out if he's the guy. Just check if he was in Kansas during that time and if he was in Colorado during those times.
0: Is he worth pursuing, though, as a personal level, with with Steve saying, hey, look, with Grace telling Steve, if he does the attack again, it's on you. And Steve goes, nope, it's not. Uh, when, right. I, if it was me, I guess if I was Grace, I would take that as a sign going, okay, find a more on the level above board way of doing it. <laughs> but Grace, right. it, uh, the next uh, possible option. I like there.
1: that she did that. It was a sneaky way of trying to get in contact with him. And I don't know if that's against the rules with of police work, but it was <laughs> very similar to what Mia did earlier where she said she was trying to send out a card to all the veteran Uh, police officers and that's how she got all that information before so i thought hey i thought that was a clever way of getting information without being super obvious about it and that's what you have to do if you've got to investigate police officers (laughs) without telling everyone hey we're investigating police officers so
0: you're telling me that i should probably not be so hard on grace she's investigating
1: that's what cops do I'm telling you, if you get invited to join a softball league, you right. need to be, be careful. Very,
0: well, because I have an <laughs> athletic ability. I right. probably why I should be very wary. Uh, we go back in time to, to Marie's case, and now Marie is facing even more of life being thrown at her a bit. Uh, got told, hey, look, the, the, it's too hot out there for you. We're mm-hmm. going to move you to a loading dock. That was actually my first job here when I worked in California. I worked in a loading dock for a big retailer, mm-hmm. my least favorite job of all time. Jack, what are you talking about that?
1: I I honestly had to sympathize with the, the manager. If you have that many people know, which clearly as soon as Marie walked in the room, everyone knew about that, I think it's probably a smart idea to keep her out of the public's eye at the store. Uh, it sucks for her, but that's kind of what you have to do if you're a business. Uh, but. I felt bad for her obviously being in this creepy loading dock with this creepy dude yeah. who by the way, the worst possible joke you could ever play on someone. Oh,
0: absolutely. That yeah. that was creepy that is one of the few times in this in this show I got I cut you off. I got yeah. really upset. I was like really you if you know this if you read it in the paper, you think standing on top of someone who was like a foot shorter than you being like, I'm just messing
1: with you would be like,
0: Oh, I yeah. get it. I mean really.
1: Yeah, That's just, but in, in, as a scene, what I liked about it and why, what, why I thought it was great is you had that realization that Marie had lost all credibility. And so even if she was to go to her boss... Or to go to someone Good and point. say this happened, they'd say, come on, Marie, again? You're doing this again? Yeah. Which, again, makes you feel terrible for her that she's in this situation where now even if something did happen, there no one's going to believe her.
0: Right. And and that's something that complicates things with the conversation Colin, Colleen and Judith have about what to do. There is another crime out there that's very, very similar to Marie's. And there's a bit of a debate there. Do we even go back to the police officers and tell them that, hey, look, Marie suffered something similar? It's too specific to be made up, or do we say, hey, look, the lawyer may work, uh, it, may, it may get her off, it, she may not be charged with, with false reporting, let's just keep our heads in the sand and lay low. I understand what, what we all think, we're at an armchair quarterback, what we would do, but that is a very, very real discussion. Jack, walk yeah. me through this, the pros and cons of going to the authorities with, uh, we're just, this is some new information.
1: Yeah, I think that Judith is... I know her heart's in the right place, but her telling Marie that she needs to just sort of bury it and pretend like it never happened has to be one of the worst things you can do for somebody. Uh, I I think I'd be team Colleen on this one. Mm -hmm. I think going back to the police is something you have to do, not just for... For the Marie's sake, but for everyone in the future's sake, I know it'd be awkward. It'd be tough. I think just confessing and saying I felt bullied into not con- going through with this or something has to be the right way to go. I know it's easy for me as a viewer who knows everything. Can I ask you a specific this, question but, though? Yeah. Did,
0: would you do it the way Colleen did it by saying okay, fine, and then making the call, or would you be defiant and go No, 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 we're making the call?
1: Uh, you know, that's a that's a that's a good question. I think that um, I would probably tell Judith that we need to do something. Um, but one way or another, the call I think would have to get made.
0: Absolutely, uh, that's definitely it's something you have to do. And. Uh, it's hard to say because I know that there's like what would I would do and then what would actually happen, but I think that's right. definitely the right case there. For her, uh, Colleen calls detective Baskerville, which is a brand new player in this mm-hmm. in this thing. Uh, Baskerville calls Parker and Parker's like, there's no victim. Don't even worry about it. But it did seem both men are in their minds after that phone call. I guess Parker's like, why is someone calling about this specifically? Baskerville's saying, why would someone come forward if it's a non-victim?
1: <sighs> yeah, I... To me, I think Parker was basically just doubling down on what he said before because if he said, oh my gosh, maybe we were wrong, that just looks bad on him. But after he hung up, he definitely seemed to have some reservations about that. And even when he put the case as closed, if you remember when he was looking at the pictures of Marie's hands being damaged from the shoelaces, he looked like he was a little regretful about that as well. But I think at the same time he was glad to not have it on his desk anymore. Right. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens next with the new case and the new detective in 2008. Right. Uh, looking into things uh, again, the the disappointment I have is clearly he doesn't get found until at least 2011. So. Right. It's uh. It's it's it can't turn out very well for Marie right after this.
0: Absolutely. I want to thank uh, all of you guys out here in the chat interacting with us, especially Glow Loves Jomo, who says Judith was really pissing me off. How dare she? Yeah, I have yep. to agree. There. Uh, there is something to be said to say. Hey, look, this is a process. We we, we started thinking emotional. Let's do it. But to have someone, um, quote unquote, came forward and say, Hey, I lied about something. But realizing it's so specific, just to say. Let's let let external forces handle this instead of taking on our own. It's a bit crazy, isn't it?
1: It it is, and especially after she was the one that put doubt in Parker's mind in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's almost like she's doubling down on her own disbelief of Marie, and that's costing Marie big. She seems very shady in this case. I I don't understand why she doesn't want to believe her, her foster child at this point. Yeah. This far in. But again, we're watching as viewers and we have more information than they do.
0: I hope something does come to light about that. But moving on, it's now time for our special segment. It's now time for Who
1: Caught you? Yes, Who Caught Ya? Gotcha? So for all of you who are new to this, Who Caught you is just a fun little story about some criminal, some ne'er-do-well who got caught a in a way that... <laughs> Did not go the way they planned. So today is a fun story about uh, a couple of British guys who had this idea of stealing an ATM. Now, Flobo, I'm not saying that they tried to steal money from the ATM. They <laughs> wanted to steal the entire Wasn't that the ATM. Wasn't the plot point from
0: the movie Barbershop of them stealing the ATM trying to get the money of
1: <laughs> <laughs> This went just as well, too. So what happened was... These guys say to themselves, "We're going to put a chain around the ATM. We're going to put the chain to the back of the car, and then we're going to drive the car away. It's going to pull the ATM out of the ground, and we're going to drag the ATM with us to a quiet place where we can bust it open and take all the money out." Okay. So they they go to the ATM, lit some candles. They they <laughs> they they write they wrap up the ATM in a chain. They get the car ready. They drive away, and it rips the bumper off the back of the car yeah so now they go oh my god this isn't gonna work let's just get out of here before we're caught so they drive away okay and they leave the scene and so of course police eventually find out and they go and they see this atm still there they see chains all wrapped around it and to the end of the chains where do they find the bumper (laughs) with the license plate so, the police yeah. obviously are able to quickly track down these guys. They get caught. So, when they ask, who caught you? The ATM machine caught you. <laughs> so, if they take the
0: bumper, they have to buy a new one. They actually lost money they in jail time. <laughs> is, you guys are the worst co- uh, uh, communal ever. Right. Uh, <laughs> who caught you? The bumper caught you. I love that segment. It really is cool. Uh, <laughs> moving on, it's now time for our new segment. Thank you. For well, those of you may be aware, Unbelievable has taken the world by storm, trending all over social media, its first weekend of release over on Netflix. In fact, People Magazine over at People.com had a profile of the actual case that inspired this show. Now, we're not getting into spoilers and all that. We're not going to do that for you here. But they did kind of have a miniature profile of the victim, the proposed suspects, and of course the detectives. For example, in 2011, Golden, Colorado, Detective Stacey Galbraith who was played by Kate Duvall, I'm mm-hmm. um, sorry, Merritt Weaver- Weaver's Kate Duvall character, reached Out to Dr. Detective Edna Hendershut of nearby Westminster, Colorado, which is played Mm. by Tony Collette or Grace Rasmussen, uh, to ask about a rape that sounded alarm bells. Uh, Galbraith met Edna Hendershot there. Uh, Hendershot had worked hundreds of previous rape cases, including the previous year, a case involving a 59 year old Westminster woman who was raped by a man in a black mask who had stolen her pink camera, which is something that actually played a part in this series. So if you guys are on People.com, make sure you check out the profile. A lot of details are there. I can't guarantee it's spoiler-free, but it definitely has a bit of a real tinge to everything of Unbelievable. And I tell you what, we were just talking about this before the show started, whether or not there's going to be a second season for Unbelievable. Um, I, I'm only, I'm on board, for sure. Yeah. But I would love to see a whole nother world, a whole other cri- crime, a whole other detective and cast of characters.
1: Yeah, I would be definitely on board for a season too. Yeah. Obviously, it would ha- probably have to be a different, entirely different crime. But the way they set the show up and the way they have their details and everything in line, I love this show. I am all in for season two.
0: All right, cool. Well, you know that is. It's now time for predictions.
1: My favorite sound drop. Now it is, isn't it? I imagine a, a mad scientist uh, with lightning crackling in the background. You
0: know, I, I imagine a, a guy in a wooden shack in the middle of the desert, you know, waiting <laughs> for UFOs to show up. <laughs> but that's just me. Right, right. <laughs> so. Predictions. So prediction. five episodes in.
1: we got three more to go. Six, seven, eight. Just... So to to eagle-eyed viewers and eagle-eared listeners, uh, I've made a number of predictions and not a single one of them has come correct. Good odds. Good but. Odds. <laughs> but. This is my this is my my prediction. I'm throwing it out there. It's a hail mary. Okay. I think the I I think the cop that was Parker's uh, partner. Okay. I think he's the guy.
0: Do you think he's? the brother? I think
1: he's the guy. I'm gonna I'm I'm pegging him.
0: Wait wait wait. Walk me <laughs> he's through. He's the this. guy. I, I, gotta, I gotta Who put...
1: caught you? No no no. Jack <laughs> caught you.
0: Why do you? Th- okay. Walk me through this. You got to give me some kind of evidence. You just can't be like I believe this person. Is there something shady about him? Is there yes. Some-
1: yeah, I think that's why he bullied her into not into not moving forward. I think that's why he is uh, trying to prosecute Marie for trying to uh, make the false claim. I think he's trying to get her out of the way. I think he got put... Because he wasn't there originally mm-hmm. in the very, very, very original investigation. He came along once they brought Marie Did into not- the... Uh, so you're saying
0: not Parker, but Pruitt.
1: You're saying Pruitt. D- Pruitt, that's D- the Detective name, yeah. Pruitt, Pruitt. Is, is the one that... Pruitt.
0: Okay, that's a prediction. That's my uh, prediction. I, I'm not sure if that, that's going to be... Okay, yeah. I, that's what the whole thing about predictions. I, I feel... Feet Here, to the fire. Who did it? Here's my prediction. I don't think this person of interest, James Massey, did it. But I do think James Massey has a first degree connection to the person who did. So I'm going to say an accomplice... Hmm. I'm going to say James West is an accomplice, not the actual perpetrator. That is my prediction going into episode 6, 7, and 8.
1: Do you, th- do you think there's more than one person doing this?
0: Uh, as far as like actually committing the crimes, no. But I do think there is a bit of a network, whether it's a safe house thing or a way to get tools, or a way to help out kind of a thing. I don't think it's one person on their own who just somehow has to be unprovoked. I think there's a network there. Whether it's an accomplice uh, or more than one accomplice, that's what I feel.
1: You know who his accomplice could be? it. He's
0: not even... I disagree. <laughs> I, I completely disagree. Uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, Jack, just overall thoughts of the show, closing statements, and uh, where can the world find you online?
1: I am really excited about this show. I love how where it's going. Can't wait to find out more about what happens in Kansas. We've only just started sc- scratching the surface there, and I cannot wait to see what happens in episode six. As far as where to find me online, you can find me at jackcfarmer.com as well as at RealJackFarmer across all social media. Let's keep the conversation going. The show is only the first part. The rest of it happens on Twitter. Let me know what you think. No spoilers, though.
0: Absolutely. I, for one, just a little bit of a fun note. I love the fact that Duval swore on today's episode. My name is Flobo Voice. I'm available at Flobo Voice on Twitter, at FloBito on Instagram, and, of course, FloBito.com. We'll be back here later today with episode six but until then I'll buzz you later our founder kevin undergaro and me maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to after buzz tv
1: remember we're not just the first we're the biggest in the world and we're the only
0: destination for all your favorite tv shows whatever you crave we've got it so go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup buzz you later <laughs>